Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. I know that you may still be full of uh, mashed potatoes and turkey and green bean casserole and all those kinds of things and the leftovers and the sandwiches that you've had Thursday night and Friday and Friday night and Saturday and Saturday night and you're still having today for lunch. I I know that's all a possibility, but I'm glad you're here with us this morning. We've been talking about the, the Psalms that we find in the Bible, these words of poetry that are in all of our Bibles, and yet the thing that we may miss along the way is that we all have different seasons in life and in different parts of things that are going on in our life. And, and wherever you are, whatever season of life you're in right now, there are words in the Psalms that speak to that and that speak to you. Uh, we, we find ways to use those Psalms to, to really move us and lead us along in life. Now here at First Christian, we are all about leading people closer to Jesus. And so everything that we do around here is about leading people closer to Jesus. And last week, we participated in a time that was about leading people closer to Jesus as we uh, sat together and we remembered all that God has been up to uh, over the last year and we were reminded of all the victories that he has won and the life change that's happened uh, because of what Jesus has done. We just kind of celebrated that all along the way and we cheered and we were applauding and and, and so last week, as we spent time looking at all those things, that's part of, and those are moments where we get led closer to Jesus. But that wasn't all that we did last week. Last week, we also got to hang out together out in the commons, and we got to eat lots of food together. And so I, I tend to think that, to a certain degree, maybe, maybe bacon leads you closer to Jesus, too. I, I, I can't find chapter and verse on that, but I'm just telling you that that was really good bacon. And so uh, that's one way that we get led closer to Jesus, when we celebrate. But we don't have to have moments of celebration. And our life doesn't have to be in a season of celebration for us to be led closer to Jesus. And the Psalms that we all have in our Bible can meet us in different seasons of life and refresh us right where we are. But the impact and the beauty of the Psalms is not just their ability to speak to whatever part of life we're in, whatever season of life that we're in, but it's also the beauty of those words that can move us along, that can have motion to our life and and move us along in the motion of our life. Super fast review about the categories we've been talking about when it comes to the Psalms, okay? That there are different kinds of Psalms, 150 Psalms, and yet they all largely fit into to one of these three categories. There are psalms of orientation we talked about. And those psalms of orientation are psalms of, uh, of really just um, being sure-footed in our trust in God. It, it's that, that, that time when we are just rock solid in our understanding of God, and there are psalms that are written where the author was in that place with God in that moment. And, and the author writes and, and puts a poem together about how solid their trust and belief in God is, all based on maybe looking out the window or just being in nature and and taking in all that God has created. And in that moment, they are so rock solid in their foundation in God. Those are Psalms of orientation. But then there are also some Psalms that fit into the category of the Psalms of disorientation, which is the other end of the spectrum. 
It's when life gets flipped upside down and the ground just kind of slips out from under you. There's pain and there's heartache. There's loss. There's frustration. There's even disappointment, even with God. And there are psalms where the, the, the psalmists clearly are mad at God and they're frustrated with God and they are speaking those words to God. And sometimes it, it, it's meaningful to us to know that someone else has felt that way. But then there's another category that are the psalms of new orientation, where kind of out of nowhere there is just a surprise of joy that hits and we are suddenly overwhelmed by, again, how good God is and how in control God is and, and how well he is keeping it all under his control, even if we don't know where or how or see his power at work in his clear and defined ways as we did back when we were so sure-footed and trusting in him. So it's great that there are these categories, but there are also these motions that take place. Because we've experienced all of those seasons of life, or we're going to experience all of those seasons of life, but there is a movement that happens in our life. Now, part of the movement that happens, and this is the part that life can bring, Life does a great job of taking us from that orientation moment where we are rock solid with God to that disorientation moment when it feels like everything's been turned upside down. Life moves us from orientation to disorientation. Circumstances and situations, relationships, people, decisions, all of those things can, can go to work and just cause it to feel as though that rock-solid foundation that we thought we had is just pulled out from under us. And yet what we saw last week, just very briefly, is that there are motions and movements that can happen in our life while we are in that moment of disorientation that can move us out of that. And it happens through the Psalms. There are Psalms that can move us from disorientation to a new perspective and a new orientation. And even if you are in that time of disorientation and confusion and frustration and disappointment in your life, there are so many Psalms that speak with those exact words and that exact language. Someone who is frustrated, someone who is angry, someone who can't believe what has happened to them. The Psalmists speak those kinds of words of frustration and anger even to God. However, at the end of those psalms of disorientation, there's this resolution that happens from the author who remembers that God is still in control and that God can be trusted and that God is working in this world even though we don't see him and even though we don't feel him. And in moments like that, we're, we're led out of our disorientation towards a new orientation and a surprise of God that comes through the psalms. Now those kinds of psalms, just in case that's where you are right now and it would be helpful to, to read someone else's perspective on that, those are psalms like Psalm 13, Psalm 22, Psalm 35, Psalm 86. That's just a few examples of those kinds of things. But then there's another bit of motion that happens because of the psalms and because of some of the categories that psalms fit into. And it begins to close the gap on the cycle of these seasons in our life. The Psalms of new orientation. They, they come in lots of different flavors. 
So many of the psalms that we read that are in this category are, are psalms that talk about moments of remembrance and reflection on the power of God and the, the story of God coming through for his people, God coming through for his nation, Israel. And they speak about past victories and the way that God could be trusted. Now, we've been talking largely about the Bible and largely about Psalms. Let's switch gears for just a moment because I want you to see this. Because there's so many of us who already respond to Psalms in our life, though we probably wouldn't call them that. Because just like the Psalms that we find in the Bible, there are Psalms that are a part of the history of our country. And in the right setting and in the right time, the words to these songs can inspire a patriotism in us that makes us stand up a little bit taller and feel a little more confident and a little renewed strength in our bones. Think about some of these songs. The Star Spangled Banner, for instance. There are times when the Star Spangled Banner is sung and uh, it's happening right before a sporting event that maybe you're excited to see or it's being sung by somebody who's not doing a very good job of singing it, and you just want it to be over as fast as it can be over and move on to the thing that you came to see, that happens. But then there are other moments where the words to the Star Spangled Banner, because of the events that have surrounded the singing of that song, maybe even at a sporting event, it, it warms your heart and makes you stand up a little bit taller and stand with a little more pride in the country that you're part of. And some of you know the, the story behind the writing of the Star Spangled Banner on September the 14th, 1814, while there was war raging with the British forces in the War of 1812. With explosions and, and a firefight that was happening in Baltimore, suddenly U.S. soldiers raised a big American flag over Fort McHenry. This is a picture of the one that's at the Smithsonian that was the one raised at Fort McHenry. And it was there to celebrate a crucial victory in the war that was had right then and right there. And just the sight of that flag flying over Fort McHenry inspired Francis Scott Key to write down these words as he could see the flag even as the dawn was coming and he could celebrate the victory that America had had from the location he was in. And the song about broad stripes and bright stars became a national anthem with newfound appreciation for this symbol of freedom, our flag. That's a song that was written over 200 years ago. None of us were there for that event. None of us even read about this event in the newspaper. Some of us have never been to Baltimore. Many of us have certainly never been to Fort McHenry. And yet that's our song. And when that song gets played at the Olympics, we kind of well up. Because the words matter to us from things that have happened in the past. Or there's God Bless America. 
This is a simple one-verse song that became an overnight hit. It was actually written in 1918. It started to gain new popularity in the 40s as this message of hope was being spread through this song as war was starting to spread around the world. And composer Irving Berlin said, it's not a patriotic song. He gave this in an interview during the 40s. He said, it's an expression of gratitude for this country and what this country has done for its citizens and what home really means. And again, the past reminds us of the warmth and this new orientation of God's grace. One more. America the Beautiful, written by Catherine Lee Bates. She was a young English teacher who actually wrote this poem. It actually started as simply a poem, America the Beautiful, at the age of 33. It stemmed from a a sightseeing trip that she had taken to Pikes Peak, Colorado in 1893. She didn't write the words until two years later, but the imagery of what she saw was so etched in her mind she could write it fluently. And within the poem, she includes words that speak to all Americans recognizing the grace that has been extended to us in the dramatic developments that have shaped our country. And in the midst of moments when we are disappointed with or frustrated with or even angry with our society or with our culture, with our government, Suddenly we can hear these words or we can even just hear the music play and there is a warmth that we feel. There is this memory that is brought back to us and a comfort and we feel as though this is home. All because of the words of these songs. But once again, these are pieces of history that were written down for events that none of us were ever there for. And we weren't around for any of these things taking place, and yet we embrace them as if they were written by our contemporaries about the place that we call home. And there is motion that happens in our life. We can be so disappointed and so frustrated and so disoriented by the place that we call home and then suddenly through the lyrics of these songs of patriotism rises up and we find ourselves with a new angle and a new perspective and a new orientation. The motion that happens between that new orientation actually swings us all the way back around to some things that have happened in the past. All the way back to some people who had been face to face with the confidence that they had in their country and in most of the cases of these writers, the confidence that they had in their God. And that new orientation swings all the way back around to that sure-footed place of orientation and we are found to have a greater trust in a firm foundation that is made stronger by history. The Psalms can provide the same thing for us. Now, there are Psalms of new orientation that are simply Psalms of thanksgiving. They are Psalms where 
the, the author is just so overwhelmed by God's grace and so overwhelmed by God's joy that without any explanation, without any details being given, they just want to express a love letter of thanks to God, like we find in Psalm 40. Psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's just a few verses of that psalm, but if those words sounded just a little bit familiar to you, especially if you're around my age, the reason they sound familiar is because they're also the lyrics to a song that became a number one song for U2 back in 1983, a song called 40, that simply was music put to the lyrics of Psalm 40. Because those words of thanks, they, they matter and they apply to all generations. But those psalms of new orientation, th- those aren't the only kinds of, of, of psalms of new orientation. Within the psalms, there are victory marches and there are chants and, and there are uh, storytelling moments about battles won by God. There are victories of God's people and God's nation, Israel that are God's victories that march us all the way back thousands of years. But just like the Star Spangled Banner does for us as a country, metaphorically, these psalms remind us of the hope that we have in God. The hope that we have in a God who is still in control, a God who can still be trusted, a God who can be trusted far more than the way things are. Walter Brueggemann wrote this about psalms like that, psalms that speak to the past and remind us of what our future really is. He said, and the hope of these psalms is important, for without this powerful transformative symbol, the pitiful regimes of the present age claim to be and seem absolute and eternal. Thus, without this disruptive metaphor, oppressive regimes seem to be eternally guaranteed. But we live in hope because this metaphor keeps all present power arrangements provisional. They are all kept under scrutiny and judgment by this one who will finally govern. God is in control and his past victories and his past success reminds us once again that whatever is right now and whatever feels disorienting right now is not all there is. He is in control. Psalm 47 reminds us of that. This is an experience that I didn't experience. That these are moments that I wasn't there for, but the truth of the history and the truth of the story that we read about from the psalm writer fill our hearts, fill our emotions with trust in God. The same kind of trust that was felt by millions of people thousands of years ago. Here's the words to that psalm. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord most high is awesome. The great king over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. 
He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amidst the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Those are words of the past. And those are memories of victories won without a whole lot of detail given, but victories that are so far back. And yet we are reminded by those victories that God is a God we can trust. And God is the one that we serve. And God is the one in whom we can place our faith. You know, faith is an interesting part of trust. Faith involves trust. There are some things that happen to me, and some things that happen around me, some things that happen to the people that are around me that I can't explain and that I can't understand. There are some uh, events that happen that seem to be horrible events that I can't make sense of. I, I can't find a path that is clear to me. And I don't know how it fits into God's plan. And I can't begin to figure it all out. And those moments when they happen can be disorienting. And in those moments, the only thing that I can cling to is faith. And I don't say that flippantly, I, I say it quite intentionally. My faith fills in the gaps that don't make sense to me. Now that's really true of anything that you believe in, anything that you put your faith in. See, throughout the history of mankind, there are parts of any view that mankind has ever had about the world or about fairness or about justice or about life that requires gaps to be filled in. Because there are always parts that we can't quite make connect and we can't quite figure out. And sometimes we, we call those gap fillers guesses. And sometimes we call those gap fillers educated guesses. And sometimes we think that those gap fillers are just placeholders for a time because we're assuming that though we don't know the answer of how that gap gets filled in yet, we're smart enough that eventually we're gonna figure it out. But for the deep thoughts and the deep emotions and the deep understandings of all the things in my life, it is my faith that fills those gaps. See, I, I figured out a long time ago that most of the time I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I also figured out a long time ago 
that a decade from now, I'm going to be smarter and wiser than I am right now. And when you put those two ideas together, I feel pretty confident in being able to say that I am never going to have all the answers. I am never going to be able to fill in all the gaps. Now I keep searching and I don't give up trying to understand more and more and more, but I trust in my God knowing it all. And that's my faith. I trust because of his past success and because of his past victories and because of his past explanations and because of his past evidence that he is in control and that he's got what I can't get. And it's the words of these psalms that keep me there. And so suddenly my new orientation that I find in the psalms that talk about past victories and talk about past success not only make me stand up straighter and have more confidence in my God, but I am returned to a very simple, solid foundation and footing from the original orientation that God is God and he is who he has always been. And so the seasons of our life can sometimes function like this. And life will take us from a time when we are sure-footed in our understanding of God and it'll flip us on our head and take us to a time of disorientation. But it is the Psalms that speak into those moments of disorientation, sometimes with words of disorientation that remind us of a new perspective and a new angle and a new orientation on things. And yet it is also the Psalms that speak to us about the past and speak to us about God's control and speak to us about God's power that take us back to that place where we are sure-footed with him again. And for that confidence and that strength (laughs) that may happen a few more times as we take laps around this circle in our life, I am grateful. I am grateful that he is who he has always been. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have granted us with a relationship with you And for that, we are grateful. And you watch us change, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But you are always the same. You are rock solid. And when we return to you, we know that you have not moved from us. You welcome us. You allow us to be on that firm foundation again. And God, we thank you for the way that your creation reminds us of you.
And we thank you for the history that we have to lean into, to know that you are who you have always been. And we thank you that you hear our cries and you take our frustration and our disappointment and our rage at you. And you provide these words in your word that lead us right back to understanding how powerful and how wonderful you are. God, we thank you for the rescue that you have made for us through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. And maybe you're here today. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I want you to know that what Jesus did when he came and he died on a cross and then he rose from the dead and left that grave behind He did that, he showed that power so long ago, not just so we could celebrate it, but he did it for you. He did it to bring you grace, to bring you forgiveness, to bring you the opportunity to be part of his family, but it's a choice for you to make. And maybe today needs to be that day that you make that choice. And today needs to be that day that you say yes to Jesus and you're baptized in his name. We already had one in first service who made that decision. And maybe a decision that you have to make today is a decision you've already made that decision, but you want to be a part of this family here at First Christian. And we invite you to come during this song as well to make that decision, to say, hey, I want this to be my church home. We had someone make that decision as well in first service. And maybe that's a decision that you have today. So we invite you to come as together we sing praises and we worship our God. Let's sing together.